0: woke up quick at about noon as the week continues to roll along here welcome into the thursday june 25th edition of the podcast with damian barling presented by vibe health bar with locations in folsom east sacramento and oak park appreciate you as always uh, for tuning in and making us a part of your day your morning your night whenever you're listening to us uh, even if you're listening to us four days from now we greatly appreciate you tuning in yesterday wasn't quite the Awkward, uncomfortable day I expected, though I expect today to be awkward and uncomfortable, similar to the way that it was uh, for Kings fans yesterday. We'll lead the show with that. We got some NFL news coming up here uh, in just a couple of minutes and some follow-ups as well. If you want to connect with the show, 916-888-5898. Uh, you could also email the show, Barling at me.com. Hope you'll take the time to check out. Uh, the latest episode of Relive, which posted it yesterday, featuring the journey to WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan. Uh, you can also uh, check out some extra podcasts, some extra content over on Patreon.com/slash Damian Barling. I made an update to the tiers. I didn't realize the Be Conscious tier still said uh, that you would get one episode of Be Conscious a month. Obviously, if you're a subscriber over there, that you know that uh, we dropped that. Uh, we dropped that episode just about every week. We dropped three to five of those uh, a month. As a matter of fact, last week we put out two of them. So, um, if you're interested uh, in supporting the show, patreon.com slash Damian Barling. So, we knew we were going to hear some names yesterday as it pertains to positive COVID-19 testings. uh, As it pertains to the NBA, at least, because Tuesday was the first day of widespread testing across the league. Players had returned back to their home markets. Coaches had returned back to their home markets. Those that hadn't left, of course. And it was now mandatory to where if you were going to participate in the NBA season, you had to be back and you had to get the first round of testing done. And as the day progressed, oh, there was a notice. I think we had something from Sean Cunningham. We had uh, different blurbs leaking out from various NBA reporters and Kings reporters. And I believe we got uh, a report that Jabari Parker had tested positive. Uh, for the Corona vibes. It's like, okay. And then shortly after that, Sarah Hodges tweeted at least four players. Sarah Hodges, of course, our friend over at CBS 13 had tweeted, well, at least four players have tested positive for COVID-19 on the Sacramento Kings. And then it became, well, no, wait a minute. We only got one. No. Well, we got four. And it appears that it turned out at least as of right now to be three. Of course, Jabari Parker, uh, Buddy Healed. And Alex Lynn uh, have all tested positive. Alex Lynn and Buddy Heald are in Sacramento. Jabari Parker has remained in Chicago as he tested positive a couple of days ago, uh, and he is isolating. And he will. Uh, there's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if he's. I'm not sure if he's going straight to Orlando or if he's flying to Sacramento first. I'm not. I'm not really sure how the process goes for someone who is out of market. Whether they. A fly into the home market before the team leaves uh, for the bubble, the metaphorical bubble that's not really a bubble in Orlando, or if if they just meet the team in, in Orlando. It seems like to eliminate as much travel as possible, it would make the most sense for Jabari Parker or for whoever to fly from Point A to Orlando rather than flying from Point A to home market, joining the team and then off to Orlando. So I read a lot today, and again, I think you're going to hear a lot more names today. I expected yesterday to be a very jarring day, and it wasn't. Uh, but I don't think I don't I don't think that's because there weren't positive tests. I think because we haven't gotten we haven't quite gotten the feel of how many positives there were yet, uh, and there are going to be positives. There are going to be a lot of them, and I'm convinced that you know whether it's today whether it's tomorrow whether it's over the weekend we're going to start to hear a lot more names and and you know just at this point simple math says we're probably going to hear a couple of big names now i don't know that those big names mean lebron james i don't know that the, you know lebron's been you know he's been training this whole time but i don't think he's been at the training facility at the training facility that's where you had to get tested you had to, you, you know, there were certain protocols that you had to go through. LeBron and I think other Lakers have been working out at this. There's this, there's this billionaire in in Los Angeles who actually has a replica of of the Staples Center court at his house. And 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 I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not exaggerating. He has like a replica of the inside of the Staples Center at his house. And obviously, it doesn't seat twenty thousand people, but I'm talking about the courts and the banners and such. And a lot of the guys have been working out there. They've shot commercials. There, like it's a it's a it's a pretty well known place within the NBA. And that's where LeBron has been doing a lot of those private workouts. But by doing those private workouts, it means that he hasn't had, he hasn't had to get tested. I don't know whether LeBron has been tested or not. I'm just saying, if he tested positive, I wouldn't be shocked because a lot of one thing that uh, I forgot to take into account a couple of weeks ago when I, I said, you know, this is going to be like a, a, a near catastrophic number was the fact that a lot of guys had already been tested. Because if you wanted to enter a facility, remember when they slowly opened up these facilities and said, well, in states that have, you know, more lack stay-at-home, you know, mandates, which is virtually every state now, and you see how that's turning out for all of us. A lot of players had already decided, well, I'm going to go back and get an individual workout. Like we read about the, you know, the Kevin Love, Kevin Love going to, you know, get a workout in in Cleveland, despite the fact that Cleveland wasn't going to play ball. He just wanted to go get a workout in. And we outlined all of the different steps that he had to go through. Well, part of those steps was a test. So if you entered back into the facility, you had to be tested. So if you've been in the market and you've been attempting to work out, so from a Kings perspective, if you've been in Sacramento and you've been trying to work out at the Golden One Center practice facility, you've already been tested. So I don't know how many players have been out of market. I don't know how many players have been in Sacramento this whole time. Obviously, you know, you follow some Instagram stories or you follow some social media accounts and you see that guys have been all over the place. Buddy Heald was playing in, you know, some sort of league a couple of weeks ago wearing a mask and and doing that whole thing. And, you know, he's got the positive test out there. Jabari Parker was in Chicago. Alex Lynn, he got tested here in Sacramento. So I don't know how many more Kings are going to get the positive test. Uh, but they're testing every other day. Uh, the, you know the protocols are as as we laid out uh, yesterday. In that, once you test positive, you have to isolate, and then you have to pass two COVID nineteen tests within the like a certain span of hours. So that's that's kind of the protocol, and that's going to be the protocol for the next you know, 90 something days, that's going to be the protocol until the season is over test every other day. And if there is a positive test, you get pulled away from the group, you get isolated. I think they have a, what it was the term that they used in, in sham's document dump a couple of like, I think think it was called like isolation housing. They have a particular place where you go, if you test positive in the bubble. And I hate, I hate referring to it as, as that, but it's just become second nature at this point. They have a place that you go uh, in the metaphorical bubble in Orlando. And you got to stay there for a certain amount of days and you got to stay there until you pass two COVID-19 tests. But it doesn't have a mandate of days, though. So that's that's kind of the interesting thing, because if you recall, when this all first started happening and we started, all started becoming familiar uh, with the virus, like the the, the the thing that we kept hearing was 14 days, 14 days, 14 days. Isolate yourself for fourteen days. If you're traveling, isolate yourself for fourteen days. If you've been in an airport, isolate yourself for fourteen days. If you've believed that you have been exposed to someone uh, that may have this virus, you got to isolate yourself, remove yourself. don't talk to people, don't touch people, don't look at people, don't smell nothing. For fourteen days, that was the number that we kept hearing. Now it's not it's not quite that anymore, and I think part of it is because you don't know if you if you contact it, like if you test positive, for uh, the virus, you don't know when you contacted it. You don't know how long you've had it, and I don't know how long this virus sticks around. Like, because it's not like, like like Ezekiel Elliott. We'll get to the Ezekiel Elliott story in a few minutes. Ezekiel yeah. Elliott says, "I think if you test me now, I'm fine, but I'm gonna wait a few more days." Okay, is that how this works? Like, so to, does it just it it just comes, it just just disrupts you, and then it, and then it leaves because there's not really treatment for it. Other than, you know, wiping your skin with Clorox or ingesting, what what, what is it, injecting um, cleaning supplies into your veins? I believe those those are what uh, some of the leaderships in this country, some of the people at leadership positions in this country have told us to do. Please don't do that, by the way. Please. So there's no, you just, like, wait it out? Like, all right. Well, like, I mean, with a flu, you take... I don't know Nyquil, Dayquil, none of that crap works in my opinion, but you take it, you drink a bunch of orange juice, you say you get your vitamin C, you're drinking emergency, you're doing all those different things. So is it is 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 combating COVID-19 the same thing as responding to a flu like trying to build up your immune system? Bunch of vitamin C, fruits, vegetables, really a bunch of food to just kind of help build your energy back up and and get your immune system clicking again? Is that is, is that how you fight it off and and you just wait it out? And, you know, like, is, is there a point where, like, it's not contagious anymore? Are we still learning all of these questions? Because it appears COVID-19 is still very much contagious based off the numbers we've seen across this country. But at what point, once, once you have it, is it contagious from day one until, you know, if, if your last day of having it is day 10, is it contagious from day one to day 10? Is there a test yet that can determine how long you've had it? Are there different levels of it? Like, is there a, is there now, obviously people's reactions to it are different. Uh, And as we've read about now for several, several months, uh, respiratory issues, uh, immune systems all play a part, uh, weakened immune systems from cancer treatments, uh, you know, older people who have weaker immune systems. You know, we've heard all of that. We know that the, the responses to the virus can be different. But is there, you know, th- there are varying degrees because people keep saying, well, it's just like the flu. Okay, well, all right, let's, let's go with that for a second. There are varying degrees of the flu. Like sometimes you can get sn- sick and you don't particularly feel well, but, you know, it's, y- you don't feel great, but, you know, you can go to work, you can do your job, you can get things done, you can go to the grocery store, you can come home, you can take care of the kids, you can take care of the husband and the wife and so on and so forth. But then there are times where you're bedridden. Where it's like, dude, get away from me, like bring me soup and Gatorade and tea and everything. Bring me junk food, bring me salty food, bring me everything. Like, like there are varying degrees of the flu. Why are there varying degrees of COVID-19? Is there some where this is like, okay, this is really, really and I, again, I'm not talking about the reactions to COVID-19. I'm talking about, are are, are the severity, is the severity of the case different? Or is the, sorry, not the case, is the severity of the virus different? Can someone in, because we keep hearing about asymptomatic players, and I'm curious, like, not even asymptomatic players, just asymptomatic people. Like you hear regularly, okay, well, this person had COVID-19, but they were completely asymptomatic. They had no idea that they had it, and they got tested because they were traveling or whatever the case may be. Uh, They got tested as a precaution, and they found out they had it, and here's what they did. They self-isolated and blah, 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 blah. Okay, what determines being asymptomatic? Is it the virus or is it the recipient of the virus? Like, is it the person's immune system that determines whether they're asymptomatic? There's so much about this virus that we don't know. And, And maybe this isn't something that we don't know. Maybe this is just something I don't know. But there's there's there are so many questions to this. And I saw a post yesterday that that kind of got my attention. I don't know who posted it. 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 It wasn't someone that I follow on social media. It was one of those someone I know liked it, and therefore it appeared on my algorithm, which is something that I absolutely hate. I've had to mute and block so many people just because I didn't want to see their crap. I don't follow them for a reason, but yet I regularly see their garbage on my timeline. It said you know their health is greater than my entertainment and i think you know that had that that had been after you know uh alex lynn and buddy healed and 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 uh jabari parker had had been announced as positive and that's kind of when felt like the wheels were kind of rolling for like okay we already know that Jokic had tested positive and 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 you we we knew that we knew that a lot was going to be coming from the NBA in terms of this COVID-19 testing. We knew that the, the, we knew that the, the entrance into this bubble was going to be difficult. We knew that we know that finishing this season really at this point is probably a long shot. We we might believe that it's going to happen, but at this point right now, June 25th, it feels like it's a long shot. And I thought like, okay, like I get the point that the person is trying to make, but I have this, you know, it's, it's something that we all kind of need to know and accept because we've talked, I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, our entertainment and, and distractions. It's because we are by nature, all of us, every single one of us, we're selfish people. And when we look at, you know, when we look at things like this, we look at it from our perspectives and basketball to us is entertainment. And we're looking at this like, well, what is the NBA coming back for? I, I I just don't understand. Like, it's not that important. Sports doesn't need to come back. And you see, I love, you know, I love the guy who says, well, the American people need sports. Like, no, they don't. We've gone th- like four months without. No, we don't. We would like it. It's cool that baseball is allegedly coming back if it actually makes it. It's cool that the NFL thinks nothing is going to go wrong if they Uh, 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 have their season and people will have their gambling and their fantasy football and all that stuff. It's cool that we might actually get to crown an NBA champion. Is it needed? Absolutely not. But the one thing I think we forget is that these guys are professional athletes. This is what they do for a living. And I'm not going to pretend like there are are 1,600 NBA people, not, not players, but 1,600 people associated with the NBA who are going to be living inside this bubble for at least uh, some period of time. I'm not going to pretend like I spoke to 801 of them and I can be the guy who comfortably goes on a podcast and say, well, you know, most of them feel like this. I don't know how most of them feel, but I do know in my time around basketball that these guys desperately want to play basketball. And I can tell you a number of these teams, teams like Los Angeles, teams like, uh, you know, both, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers. I would think teams like the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. I would think teams like the Houston Rockets and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, maybe even the Indiana Pacers as well. I would think teams like that are looking at this like we want to get back to playing ball. And when I say teams, I mean the majority of the players on the teams, they want to get back to playing ball. They want a chance to get back to their normal because we think about our normal. We think about coming home, sitting down, watching an NBA game, watching the Kings play or watching whatever game is on TV. Like we, that's normal to us. What's normal to them is playing. And again, I'm not going to be the guy who says, well, these guys want to play. I'm pretty sure that they do because if they didn't I don't I don't think that they would. They have enough power to not play. They have enough power to shut this whole thing down and go and I know that you know the joke is LeBron war- runs the league. And maybe that's not particularly joke but does anyone think Russell Westbrook doesn't want to play? Does anyone think that James Harden doesn't want to play? Does anyone think that Mike Malone doesn't want to or Quinn Schneider? Or Nick Nurse? Does anyone think that that Boston Celtics team doesn't want to play or the Philadelphia 76ers one? These, these guys, I, I, I believe a lot of them want to play. I don't think any of them are being forced into this situation. And I guess this is just a very long-winded way of saying they're not doing this for our entertainment. They're not doing this for us. They're not doing this to create some sense of normalcy for the world or for the country. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it because they're trying to create some sense of normalcy for them they're doing it because they're trying to get back to doing what they love. They're trying to get back to you know fighting for that goal that they had set out to achieve all the way back in October in September when training camps emerged and and or converged and they said, "Hey, let's go out there and let's win an NBA championship." That's what they're going back for. They're not going back for you. They're not going back for me. And they're not going back for our entertainment. So you can have your it's 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 fair it's totally okay to have your reservations about about this bubble. It's it's fair to have your concerns about this, you know, this converging of players and games in Orlando. But don't think that they're doing it for you. Don't think that they're doing it for your entertainment. They're doing it for themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I weigh people who it's like people are having this like conscious battle with themselves. Like, like it's good versus evil. Like it's the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. And they, you know, the angel is telling them you've got to tweet something about humanity and not allowing these guys to play basketball. And you know, the little devil on their shoulder is telling them, entertain us, entertain us, entertain us. Like this isn't for you. These guys are not going to Orlando for you. They're not going to Orlando for me. They're going to Orlando for themselves. And that's okay. <laughs> Let them go. If we're entertained in the process, fantastic. But I think everybody should enter uh, this upcoming season. Everybody should enter the, the the return of the season. Everybody should enter the next, you know, month. I mean, it's June 25th. Like, think about all that we're talking about right now. We haven't even gotten to Orlando yet. Uh, we haven't even started the season yet. You know what I mean? Like, we're still a very long way away from this thing actually jumping off. I mean, California, Florida, Arizona, all of these states have set uh, record highs in terms of number of cases in consecutive days for like three or four days now. I mean, this thing, all of the self-isolation we did, all of the quarantining that we did, you know, in March and April and May, it's all gone to hell. Like it's all gone. It's all worthless here at this point, because we just we we couldn't wait. We 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 had to open up the economy. People were getting antsy. White people were hanging out with their American flags and their Trump bumper stickers outside of the Capitol and waving around. God damn it, let us go get our haircut. They had been wronged. They had been oppressed, if you will, and they wanted to be able to go get their haircut. And their nails done and they wanted to be able to go to the tanning salon so states started to open up saying hey we're g-. remember it wasn't that long ago that Texas uh, Florida Arizona they had all said you know we're gonna start filling up these these stadiums to about 25 to fifty percent capacity you know we, we might not have sports with zero fans we might we might not have we might not have sports with like a full crowd but we're not going to have sports with zero fans. No, 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 no. We're going to start letting people in. It's going to be a big deal. And this this thing moves like the, the the news cycle, with this virus changes so so quickly. I had told you all the way back on March 11th. There is no way that the NBA season is returning. And then by the end of May, it's like, "Man, things are kind of getting back to normal." It's it feels like it it feels like people are Feels like things are changing. Like, Okay, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, we know now it's a horrible thing. It is absolutely awful with the amount of people who have gotten this virus and have turned up sick. But it's what the states are doing. I fully expected Gavin Newsom to put in some restrictions here for those of listening in California, the governor of California. I fully expected him to say, okay, you guys fucked up. Now I got to fix it. I thought he was going to put some restrictions back onto the state yesterday, and he didn't. He just said, please wear a mask. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's worked out really well so far. You've told people to wear a mask. That is, has that is gone brilliantly. And the fact that you haven't at least threatened restrictions leads me to believe that, one, either you're not thinking about it, or two, if you are, when you spring them up on everybody, you're going to have another one of those goofy-ass rallies outside the Capitol. The oppressed white people who can't get their haircut. i really I really shouldn't say white people. it's not white people. it's the oppressed Trump supporters who can't get their haircut because those open up the state rallies are nothing but glorified Trump rallies. but this is just a disaster, and i, I you know i just i i I don't know every day brings some sort of different feeling about what's going on every day brings like I keep looking at the n b a thing like I keep looking at the n b a schedule like man, we are weeks away we are over a month away from the first game how much stuff could go wrong between now and july 30th the answer is a lot now remember 22nd they started testing they don't go anywhere in terms of of leaving their home market until july 7th so from the 22nd to the 7th there's no practicing either. There's just individual workouts during that time frame. That was built in to get this first round of testing out of the way. I didn't agree with. I didn't understand it at first. I kept saying, "Go straight to the bubble. Go straight to the bubble. Go straight to the bubble, or go straight to Orlando." It's it's a bubble in the sense the the risk is it's 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 minimized. Like it's I think it it would be greater. If this, you know, campus for NBA players didn't exist, it's not eliminated, but I think it's reduced. And I kept thinking, just just if you're if you're reducing the risk by going to Orlando, just go straight to Orlando. This is the reason they didn't go straight to Orlando. They had to get this first round of testing done. So that way, if say by the end of today, there are 50 NBA players and personnel who have the virus. And remember, they're getting checked every other day at this point. If there are 50 uh, NBA players and personnel over the course of the next couple of days that have this virus, by the time they go to leave on July 7th, across the league, not speaking about a specific team, but just across the league, by the time they go to leave on July 7th, that number 50 could be down to two or three or none. And you can say, all right, now... We're all hopping on our charter planes where we should be safe because everybody on the charter plane has been tested the plane has been cleaned we're heading into Orlando into this hotel that has been you know uh sanitized and clean and we believe everybody entering this bubble should be clean. I don't think it's a bad idea to at least I, I know that they're not testing I know they're doing like symptom checks for hotel employees and things like that. Like, is it a terrible idea for day one that all of the employees working there just on day one are tested? So you know, like, can you have a definitive statement on day one, on July 7th? Can you have a definitive statement that these three hotels are completely sanitized, they are free from the virus, and these NBA players who have been testing and these NBA teams and organizations that have been testing For the last two and a half, three weeks, they're clear. They're good. Everybody stepping off the plane is clear. They're good. They're in sanitized environments all the way until they get to the hotel. Now, once everything gets underway and you've got employees coming and going, now it's a different story. And that's where you've got to be aware. You've got to be cautious. And you probably have a lot of concern if you're Adam Silver. But from now until then, if you can reduce... Again, let's like I always thought that the number was going to be a hundred. That's how many positive tests I thought we were going to get out of the course of the next couple of days. I thought we were going to get around a hundred. But if you're able to get that number down, it has to be a single digit number, I think, before you leave for Orlando. Or close, well, may- maybe not. I think it has to be less than one per team by the time you leave to Orlando. So let's say twenty-two. So I think it's got to be less than that. It can't be any more than twenty-two, where you've got you know, to uh, whether it's coaches, trainers, you've got any so-called essential personnel headed to the bubble. It's, it's gotta be less than that. And I, and I guess the other thing depends on what number you start with. Cause if you don't start with a hundred and you wind up starting with 50, 22 is way too high by the end of the camp. And this whole thing is going to flop. It has to be a dramatically lower number. I think that's probably the better way of explaining this, whatever the start number is in terms of positive testing, the, N number has to be dramatically different. And there certainly cannot be a situation where the number goes up by the time you leave. Even if the number starts small, let's say we get a good, good scenario, 22, right? Let's just say the Kings, you know, they, they eat up the average and it winds up being one player per team or one personnel person per team. But by the time we go to leave on July 7th, maybe it's still 22 or maybe it's 23 or 24. It's just a different 22. You you know, like there are there's a lot of things that the that that the NBA will be able to monitor over the course of the next, you know, the next few weeks that will give them any. Doom or gloom about whether this is or I guess doom or gloom, I guess it's doom and gloom. It would give them a sense of whether this is going to work or not. And that in the positive, the number of positive tests. Has to be greatly reduced by the time that they leave. So we'll, you know, we'll see. I'd expect, you know, again, I, I know I said this yesterday, but I, I, I think it'll happen over the course of the next couple of days. And if I'm wrong, man, great. I mean, if the number starts low and gets lower, perfect. But you've got to be concerned if the number starts low. You've got to be really concerned if you're Adam Silver if the number of positive tests starts low, that it could potentially go up because guys aren't isolated here. They're not isolated in Sacramento. They're not isolated in, you know, whatever market that they're in. They're not isolated until they get to Orlando. And then you've got the NBA here, or excuse me, then you've got the NFL here and camp beginning July 28th. And, you know, hard knocks getting ready to film the Los Angeles teams, which that's going to be, you know, a hell of a dynamic. How are you going to film these, you know, Los Angeles teams? Today's actually a big day for the NFL. NFL owners are meeting today. Uh, via conference call to discuss, well, actually, what we were just talking about. They're going to discuss the the status of plans for training camp. Uh, they're going to discuss uh, big picture issues as it pertains to, you know, what to do. There's there's actually we'll get to the there's actually a there's there's a belief, and I don't think that this has been confirmed, but the Sports Business Daily reported this yesterday that NFL teams will be allowed to sell camera-visible signage to local sponsors. So, like, if the lower level of seats are tarped off, for example, you could put some sort of signage on the tarp. So you can make up the loss of fan revenue with ad revenue. The way it's described here in the Sports Business Journal is the first six to eight rows of the lower deck in each stadium will reportedly be, be unoccupied by fans. So even if, even if fans are entering at a limited percentage capacity, even if we're talking 10%, which I, is, it is absolutely insane to do this, regardless of the percentage. It's, it's insane to let anybody into a stadium right now. Uh, but whether they do or they don't, the first six to eight rows of the lower deck will be unoccupied. So there will be no fans in those seats. You can cover them up with tarps and you can include sponsorship logos. And that will help a little bit with revenue issues because you probably, I mean, if you talk about each end zone and then you talk about the lower levels across from the hard camera, I mean, that's what one, maybe five tarps, five to six tarps. Five to six ads. Hey, I mean, it's creative. Why not? I have no problem with that. I think the tarps would look a whole lot better than empty seats. I think even tarps with ads on them will look a whole lot better uh, than empty seats. So I'm sure that's going to be a topic of discussion today when the NFL owners, you know, meet via this conference call. Uh, but there are a number of things that that still have to be discussed, including, you know, I, there's there was reports yesterday there's, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still working out despite, you know, the COVID crisis in Florida. It's like, well, okay, like that's that's the risk that they're taking. You know what I mean? The, the, you know, so much of this involves a risk, and it involves, you know, a risk not only by the individuals, not only by Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and the other individuals that are working out with them. It's a risk on, you know, uh, behalf of the the people who live with them. Family, kids, you know, the whole deal. But they have assumed that risk. It's just like anybody who, you know, was stupid enough to go out to a nightclub in Sacramento. You're assuming a risk when you do that. You saw that the Zebra Club that, that, that was packed a couple of nights ago and was the subject of an article in the Sacramento Beat, you see they're already shut down. Yep, we got a positive test here. One of our customers tested positive or something, so we're going to go ahead and shut this down. As if it ever should have been opened. And then you got guys like John Harbaugh who says, I'm not one personally to run scared from a virus or anything else because I'm a Harbaugh, goddammit, and I'm tough. I'm not going to run for cover, and I don't think the NFL is either. Like, God bless it, man. Are people really this stupid? Are you, like, I, I, like, are people really? And, I, and this, is, this is the selfish nature that I was talking about earlier. We get wrapped up in our own way of thinking. And this is my own way of thinking. Being smart by helping prevent, or at least attempting to help prevent, the spread of a virus is not running scared. It's being smart. John Harbaugh is smart, but he's also he's one of those like, can't you picture Jim and John talking about like, well, this virus isn't gonna beat us? No way. No, no. That's not what that's not what this is about. No one's no, no one's accusing you of being scared. No one's accusing you of running away. What we would like to accuse you of is approaching this situation intelligently, and I'm afraid that John Harbaugh is not approaching this situation intelligently. Now Harbaugh was the one who expressed his concerns about how do you social distance in football? Like, you, <laughs> like this is a, this is a, a a very contact sport. Like there's just no way to adhere to some of these protocols that are put out there. And he's absolutely right. And those are all valid questions. Though so, and, and or not questions, those are all valid statements. But and, and those are things the NFL is not going to be able to do anything about that. You can't adhere to social distancing. You can't adhere to you know CDC guidelines when you're playing football. Now, can you minimize the potential spread of the virus during practice? Maybe coaches, trainers. Assistants, media people, maybe they can, but the actual players, no. Like, no. Football's one of the grossest sports there is. Like, these guys are, this is the ultimate of contact sports. This is rugby. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's, there's no way. But, John, you're not running from the virus. You're not running scared. You're not ducking for cover. You're just living your life and approaching your business with your head not firmly inserted up your ass. Like, come on, man. So what the results of this call will be, like, they're also talking about social justice issues, which will be interesting. I was so agitated yesterday. Like, I I tuned on, you know, I actually turned on the TV yesterday, which is something that I, I don't do very often. But I was writing the script for the next episode of Relive, and I kind of folded up the computer at about 5 o'clock and Turned on the TV and I saw that um, I saw that that ESPN had on uh, this this show. It was it, it was presented by the undefeated, and it was talking about social issues and it was talking about racial injustice and racism and so on and you know all of the black personalities on ESPN were there. Stan Barrett was there and Jay Harris and maria taylor and l duncan like if you were black you were there for the most part and stephen a smith wasn't there but mostly if you were black you were there and We're having discussions and we've got to have these difficult discussions and we can't adhere to the stick to sports narrative and i remember reading about their new boss thinking yo wait a minute like you guys were championing stick-to-sports narrative. Like, your new boss, not John Skipper, not the guy who used to be in charge, but but their new boss, he was the one pushing forward this, this stick-to-sports narrative. Why? Like, oh, now it's convenient for you. Now it's convenient for you to no longer stick to sports after you fired guys like Michael, or after you have agreed to uh, part ways with guys like Michael Smith and Jamil Hill. Now you don't want to stick to sports. Now you want to be about the movement. And I was just watching that insincere, not insincere on the people that were a part of it, not insincere on you know, behalf of L. Duncan or insincere from from Jay Harris or anybody who was actually a part of the production. I'm talking about insincerity from the network in its entirety. They have chosen, like so many other businesses have chosen, to be righteous when it's convenient. They didn't want to be righteous when it wasn't convenient before. I, like I, I, I had this I had this thought yesterday. You know, thinking about you know COVID nineteen and how you know there's there's this all oh, this talk from Dr. Fauci and all of these talk from these different experts about you know we've got to understand this disease more and we've got to you know we've got to study it and we've got to learn it and the more we learn about it, you know, the more we can progress in it and and and, and the further you know that we move along in these conversations is you know the the, the easier it'll be the it, it'll be for us to you know put together this vaccine the more that we understand what this virus is, and what it can do, uh, the closer we can become to treating it. It's like, well, you know, at first, we just, we, we, we didn't know enough. You know, this is, this is all just, it has all hit us so quickly, you know, from the time that the virus was discovered uh, to the time that it made its way here to the United States to the time it just started to rapidly, rapidly, rapidly spread. We just, we weren't able to learn enough about it. But that's what we're trying to do now okay and all i could think about was all i could think about was george floyd and people saying well we you know we saw a man murdered and it just really got to us It's like we've been like we've we've been telling you that this happens for decades but you didn't listen if you don't even want to go back decades like we've been telling you this has been happening for years as a matter of fact the very Prominent NFL quarterback brought it to the forefront of America about four years ago, but you chose not to listen. It's like we, we pick and choose when we want to learn something. We pick and choose when we want to listen. That's been the, you know, that's been the catchphrase over the course of the last few weeks, right? Like I'm, I'm going to sit back and damn it, I'm going to learn and I'm going to listen cool, man, why the fuck didn't you learn about 10 years ago when we were talking about this? Why didn't you learn about 40 years ago when we were talking about this? Why are you learning now? Why are you so willing to listen now? Why weren't you listening four years ago? Because there has been dialogue and conversation about this. You just have chosen not to listen. And I think part of the problem are companies like ESPN. Part of the problem is you don't know anymore who is genuine in their response to this virus or or, or, or into this movement. You don't know who's genuine with their response to Black Lives Matter. You don't know who's genuine in their statements that they've put out. You don't know who's genuine in their initiatives. The NFL is the perfect example. Does anybody believe that the NFL is actually genuine about their commitment to social justice? Good God, no. Nobody believes that. Even the most optimistic person doesn't believe the NFL. We all know the NFL is full of crap. The Dallas Cowboys got the nerve to put out a social justice video, a Black Lives Matter video. Get out of here. We all see right through that garbage because that's all it is, is garbage, and we see through it. ESPN, we're going to stick to sports. People tune in to ESPN to hear sports. That's what they want from us. Huh? What about now? Oh, it's convenient for you now. It's convenient for you to change the narrative. And I was watching that last night, and it just pissed me off. Because it's so disingenuine. And I looked at ESPN, and I thought, how many other companies? And I know that this is a total pessimistic way to live, so my apologies. But I just kept looking at this like, how many other companies are just like ESPN? They're saying what's convenient in the moment. They're not saying what's real. They're not saying what's real to them. They're not talking about their core values. They're talking about something because it's part of the national conversation now, and they can get away with doing it without suffering as much backlash. There, you know they were talking about well we've got to have these difficult conversations. The, the anchors were talking about that. I remember L Duncan phrased that, that was a phrase that she used like why is it so difficult? Why can't people have these difficult conversations? We've got to be able to get uncomfortable with each other like no when the national narrative is is in your favor, the conversation isn't difficult. Anybody having a conversation about Black Lives Matter or race right now on their network, on their podcast, on their television show uh, at their job, it's not difficult it's not difficult anymore. These aren't difficult conversations unless you're going against the narrative. It is a, it is a, is it, it's a countrywide conversation right now, which essentially what it is is it's mainstream, right? This is, you know, the black lives matter movement was the, uh, that's the joint. That's the jam version of the black eyed piece. It was the underground version of the Black Eyed Peas. But here in 2020, well, now all of a sudden it's my humps and let's get it started. It's that version of the Black Eyed Peas. So it's not, it's not uncomfortable because everybody is doing it. It's no longer underground. It's a mainstream conversation. So there's nothing difficult about it because everybody's, it's difficult when people don't want to have the conversation. It's difficult when it's not in their face. And you're already starting to see the news cycle changing. Remember, you thought COVID-19 was gone for weeks because it wasn't leading the news anymore. The response to the death of George Floyd was leading the news. Not the actual George Floyd death, but the response and reaction to it. That was leading the news. You can see COVID-19 brought up for at least a week and a half. Well, guess what? 24-7 news cycle. It's starting to fade from attention. Everybody was all about making a difference. Everybody was all about the movement. Everybody was all about, I want to do better. I want to do my part. But life starts to get a hold of you. It starts to leave the national conversation. It's not a mainstream thing anymore. Question that I'll ask a week from now. It's a question I think I can comfortably ask today. Do Black Lives Matter st- st- still today? Like, do Black Lives Matter as much today as they did a week ago when everybody was tweeting about it? Do Black Lives Matter as much today as when everybody put up a, a black square on their Instagram page? I don't know. Because it's not a focal point of the conversation anymore. But it amuses the crap out of me that the NFL owners are gonna sit around and talk about this today. In addition to a number of other things, the social initiatives that the NFL players want are gonna be discussed today by the NFL owners. Ezekiel Elliott, who tested positive for coronavirus like 10 days ago, man, God bless it. Like this show sucks, man. I'm sorry. Like this, this is just a shit show. This whole this whole show was about this whole show was like angry and bitter and that is just really setting in here as I'm transitioning to Ezekiel Elliott. I've cussed at least four times. My apologies for that. Ezekiel Elliott tested positive ten days ago. He he said he he feels better. He he you know he he's he hasn't gotten tested to you know kind of get the follow up yet. Uh, But he thinks that if he did, uh, that he would test negative, which all right, like, I don't, I don't really know how this worked, but I, I, I thought, did, didn't he say, like, it was, wasn't he asymptomatic to begin with? Uh, but he said he's going to wait a few more days before getting his next test. Here's another thing about training camp coming up July 28th. I assume this will be a part of the conversation with, with the owners today. How do you, how do you test? Because if, 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 if the if the NBA players getting tested brings back kind of an influx of, of positives, you know, what happens, with, uh, what happens with the NFL players? How do you monitor that? Uh, here's Ezekiel Elliott from his Twitch feed. I feel like I'm good. Uh, I would say I had maybe one or two days where I felt symptoms. And even then, it wasn't too bad. I, I had a cough and uh, a little bit of shortness of breath. But uh, now I would say I feel... Feel feel good. I feel normal. Um, still can't work out. I gotta wait until. Uh, I could have went and got retested uh, this week. Um, I just decided. I mean, it won't, it won't hurt just to to wait another week and uh just give myself more time to uh, rest up. But uh, I feel good. There's just, Ezekiel yeah, I- Elliott there uh, talking about you know, what he was feeling. So I guess he wasn't completely asymptomatic. He had some shortness of breath and so on and so forth, a little bit of a cough. But I don't know, man. I don't know. New York City Marathon was canceled. As someone who was a part of a canceled marathon, it's good, and I know people joke about marathons, but, oh, I was going to go run my fastest time ever this year. New York City is the marathon, you know, both Boston and New York. Those are really big deals for people, and they train years uh for these marathons uh as I was a part of the Hurricane Sandy marathon that got canceled the big difference was the Hurricane Sandy marathon was canceled like 2 days before like we were in New York City on that Friday picking up our our um uh, like the bibs that you have to put on picking up all of our race gear we were in the expo center when the race was canceled so good you know good on good on uh whether it's new york city or new york city Roadrunners or whoever was in charge of this good for them to call it off in june guys this isn't happening there's no way it's going to happen so don't even bother upping your miles to 20 miles per week or 22 miles per week because uh, it ain't happening uh if you stuck it out through this show man i greatly appreciate you because i know when a show sucks and this one sucked Everything about this show was bad. Like the, I, I have got to find positive content somewhere because I can't, we can't keep putting ourselves in this perpetual state of anger. Like I realized as I went from subject to subject to subject, I just getting, I kept getting more and more agitated. Uh, so if you stuck it out through this show, I greatly appreciate you. I know this show was a stinker, but tomorrow's Friday, man. We'll make it hot. I'll find a positive story no matter where I have to look. I will find a positive story for us to cover. There's a positive story over on Relive with Damian Barling. If you're a wrestling fan past or present, please go check that out. It involves Daniel Bryan. If you haven't checked out that series yet, go check it out. I really think you're going to like it. It's a lot different than this podcast. It also has an end date. Uh, we're doing a 10-season episode. I was, uh, I was, We're doing a 10-episode season. Excuse me. I was originally going to do 12 Uh, But given the way things have kind of picked up for us the last few weeks, I'm going to have to shorten it to 10 and then I'll start working on season number two immediately afterwards. But uh, go check it out. The Daniel Bryan episode. Uh, It's a great story uh, of how he main-evented WrestleMania 30. There's also some great episodes in there uh, surrounding uh, Lex Luger and the Lex Express from the early 90s. We've got The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 17. CM Punk and John Cena at Money in the Bank, which is just still one of the greatest crowd reactions in the history of professional wrestling in 2011. So go check out that series uh, if you need something a little bit more uplifting than what this nonsense was. If you want to check out all of the bonus content, We got it over on Patreon. You can go see that as well. Patreon.com slash Damien Barlin. You want to connect with the show and yell at me today about how horrible it was. uh, Feel free. 916-888-5898. As Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon used to say, uh, we'll be better tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the podcast with Damien Barlin.